This is an audio sermon recorded at the Church of Christ at Johnson Mill in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 3801 Johnson Mill Boulevard. It's my prayer that the things we study will first and foremost be in strict accordance to God's Word and also be useful to you and beneficial to you as we continue our Christian walk together. For a little while this morning, I want to talk about building godly influence. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 5 to begin our scriptures. You know, a lot of times we come into contact with people on a daily basis. And most of the time we fail to realize what that contact has the potential to turn into. You know, we see people at work, we see them at school, or we just see them out and about, and we always have an opportunity to build a godly influence with these people. And at any given time, when you come into contact with other people in the world, the influence that you have on someone is either going to have a positive impact or it's going to have a negative impact. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. Jesus talking here says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt had lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Jesus is telling us here that we are both the light and the salt to the world. I want you to think about that, that picture for a minute. When you think about light, we could have this entire room completely dark, and we could light just one little candle, and it would give us enough light to see throughout the entire room. When you think about salt, if you're thinking about salt in your food, it just takes a little bit of salt to give flavor to the whole food. So what Jesus is telling us here is you don't have to be this great, big, mighty, powerful thing, but you do have to be useful. And just a little bit of you can influence a whole lot of people around you. So we are called to be a godly influence to those around us. So just as a light and the salt can have a positive impact on the things it's trying to affect, you and I have the same ability and we have the same responsibility to influence those around us in a godly and positive way. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, and he said, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. So Paul is writing that to Timothy a couple thousand years ago, and he's just like he's writing to you and I today. And he's telling Timothy, be an example of the believers. And you and I are called today as Christians to be an example of the believers as well. When we think about our influence, it's really important to realize that we get to choose what kind of influence we're going to have on other people. If we're going to have a good and positive and godly influence, or if we're going to have a negative influence that's going to lead people astray and it's going to turn them down the wrong road. We get to choose what kind of influence that have. Now what will make our influence the most powerful is going to be both consistency and clarity. The consistency is people, have to, people around you, they have to know what you're going to do every time. We're not wavering back and forth. They have to know that we can be consistent, we're going to be dependable. And in clarity, they have to know that when they see us or they hear us going to do something, they know why we're doing it. They know our motivation behind it. And our motivation is to serve God and to glorify Him in good works. So it's our consistency and clarity that will determine the impact of the godly influence that you'll have. So for a little while this morning, I want to look at some both good influences and some bad influences and see what we can learn from both of those. 
So the first good influence I have is in Acts chapter 9, beginning of verse 36. Acts 9 and 36, it says, There was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works, and she did alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him to the upper chamber. And all the widows stood by him, weeping, and showing the, the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. So this is just a very short excerpt of a woman that we have by the name of Dorcas. And what you can see here in verse 39, after she passed away, all the widows were around her, and they were weeping, and they were showing Peter all of the coats and garments which Dorcas made. So think about the influence that Dorcas had on all these people around her. They were very moved by her passing. And that she used just making coats and garments and giving to these, uh, these widows as a way to influence them and as a way to help them to do godly works for themselves and do alms deeds for each other. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we have another example, and this is where Paul is teaching us. 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 13, it says, And the woman which hath a husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. For if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? Paul is writing to the church at Corinth here, and he's telling him, If you have an unbelieving spouse, use your godly influence, and you may be able to save your spouse. And I know this is talking about the husband and wife relationship, and it's an, it's an admonition to not leave an unbelieving spouse. But Paul informs us how we can lead our life is how we can influence and, and use that factor for the salvation of others. The last example I want to look at is in the Old Testament, and that's in the book of Joshua. In Joshua chapter 24, we're going to read verse 14 through 18. Joshua 24 and 14 says, Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity, and in truth, and put away thy gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. Now this is Joshua talking to the children of Israel who were forsaking God after he had saved them from Egypt. In verse 15 it says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord, our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went, and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. Now I want to stop there for a second. So that's reading through 18. This is Joshua talking to the children of Israel who were forsaking God. And he used his influence and he told them, like, you can do whatever you want, but as far as me and my house, we're staying true and we're going to serve God. And by him being that steadfast and that firm that he was not going to forsake God, it convinced the other people that they should not forsake God as well. So he used his godly influence to bring them back so that they would serve God. 
Now let's go down, let's look at verse 31 of the same chapter. Verse 31, it says, And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua, and which had known the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. Now I want you to look at that verse just for a second. Joshua was so steadfast in helping the children of Israel make sure they stay true to God, that even after he, he died, the legacy of his influence carried on. It says the elders that overlived Joshua, that Israel still served the Lord all the time. So even after Joshua passed away, he still had this influence. So what we got to realize is that our influence doesn't just happen when you're alive, and it doesn't just happen when you're physically in front of someone. Your influence is there all the time. It is all the time affecting those people around you, the people who have close relationships with you, and the people who just have a distant relationship with you. Your influence is always there. And remember, you get the choice if it's going to be a good and positive and godly influence or if it's going to be an influence to drive people away. There is no such thing as a neutral influence. You're always influencing people to go one way or the other. The real question is what kind of impact is your influence having? Is it a massive impact or is it just a little bit of impact going one way or the other? So that's a few of the good examples that we have. Now we also have some bad examples that we need to look at. The first negative example is going to be in 2 Kings chapter 21. 2 Kings 21 in the first nine verses says, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Hephzibah. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. For he built up again the high places which Hezekiah and his father had destroyed, and he reared up altars for Baal, and made a grove, as did Ahab king of Israel, and worshipped all the hosts of heaven, and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, which, which, of which the Lord said in Jerusalem, Will I put my name? And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he made his sons pass through fire, and observed times, and used enchantments, and dealt with the familiar spirits and wizards. And he wrought much wickedness on the side of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he set graven images of the grove which he had made in the house, of which the Lord said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. Neither will I make the feet of Israel move any more out of the land which I gave their fathers, only if they will observe to do according to all that I have commanded them, and according to the law that my servant Moses commanded them. But they hearkened not, and Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than did the nations of whom the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. When you look at that example, the first nine verses, you can see how many negative things, how many ungodly and unrighteous things Manasseh did when he was king. He said he began reigning as king when he was 12 years old. And for 55 years, he turned the children of Israel away from God. He was setting up altars for Baal. He was even using the house of the Lord and setting up altars for other gods that they would, they would make up and that they would create these images. And he was leading these people astray. And God said that those people that stay true to me, I'll save. But the people didn't stay true to them because Manasseh seduced them. Manasseh used his influence and he drove away the children of Israel from God. Well, they wouldn't follow him anymore. So Manasseh's influence was such that it did just the opposite of Joshua. 
you know, Joshua's influence was to take people that weren't following after, his, after God and turn them so that they would follow after God, and they did that. Well, Manasseh did the opposite. He took the people that they were following after God, and he led them astray. So once again, your influence can be both positive and negative, and it can have a great impact on other people. The second example we're going to look at is in 1 Kings chapter 11, and this is where someone let other people influence him. 1 Kings chapter 11, from the first four verses. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. So now we have Solomon. If you remember a little bit about Solomon, Solomon was the son of David. Now David was the second king over Israel, so that would have made Solomon the third king over Israel. Now, God had told Solomon at one point, you can ask for anything that you want, and I'll give it to you. And we remember that what Solomon asked for was wisdom, which was very wise to ask for. He asked for the wisdom of the Lord, and he got it. There was a lot of things that he was very intelligent over. But just because you have wisdom doesn't always mean you'll actually follow through with that wisdom. And that's exactly what Solomon did. When you look at that, in verse 2, the Lord said to the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you, for surely they will turn your heart after their gods. Solomon didn't listen. Even though God was very direct and say, Do not take these women as wives, they will influence you to follow after their gods and not keep you true to, to the true God. He didn't listen. It says he clave unto these in love. And of course, that's exactly what happened. So when he was older... His wives did turn away his heart after their other gods. And his heart wasn't perfect as it was with David his father. So Solomon had made a bad choice, neglecting what God had told him to do. And he allowed those around him to influence him to turn away from God. Now when he turns away from God, there's no telling how many other people also turned away from God. Think about the king of Israel. That he goes in and takes 700 wives of other nations. When God said, don't go take these women as wives, and the king goes and takes 700 of them. And of course, they influenced him to go away. I'm just curious how many of the other people of Israel were looking at their king as an example to follow. And they were looking at their king and said, well, he goes and has these other women as wives. Why shouldn't we? And how many other people in Israel were turned away as well? We don't know, but it's just a question to think about how much he let other people influence him, and then how much he could have impacted other people as well. Now the third one I want to look at is in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 18. And what I want to look at is that it doesn't take a whole lot to destroy a whole lot of good. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 18, it says, Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. You know, that's true around us today. When you think about people in your life, maybe you even think about yourself, one sinner can destroy a whole lot of good. You know, we can be working hard to build up a lot of influence. We can be getting people on the right track. We can be helping them obey the gospel. And then one sinner comes in and can influence a whole lot of other people to turn away from God. 
We've seen examples of that with Manasseh and Solomon. So when we think about that, we sometimes can be that one sinner. So what I wanted to think about is the influence that we have can either be the good and positive influence that we read about with Joshua and Dorcas, or it can be that negative influence, and as it talks about in Ecclesiastes, that one sinner can destroy a whole lot of good. And we get the choice. So the next thing I want to look at is how do we know what kind of influence we're having right now? How do we know that we're having either a good and positive influence for those around us, or that we're having a negative influence and driving people away? Well, the first thing is we need to ask ourselves, what kind of fruit are we bearing for the kingdom of God? In John chapter 15, this is Jesus talking here in verse 8. It says, Herein my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue ye in my love. So I want you to ask yourself, just internally, ask the question, what kind of fruit are you bearing for the kingdom? Are you bearing good fruit? Are you leading people to Christ? Are you helping people? Are you encouraging them? In verse 9, are you continuing in, in Jesus' love that he's poured out to us? If so, then you can rest assured that you are shedding out that positive influence that we're called to do. The next question you want to look at is what kind of friends do you have? What kind of people are you hanging out with on a continual basis? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Don't be deceived. The people around you, they are influencing you all the time. Now, you can be influencing them as well, but don't be deceived. They are influencing you too. You know, God wrote to, to Solomon, and he said, Don't take these wives. They will turn you away. Well, Paul is writing to us in the New Testament and says, Be not deceived. Don't go to these people and let them influence you away if they're people of the world. So I want you to just ask for yourself for a question. What kind of friends do you have? Who are you hanging out with? Are these people who are building you up? Are they holding you accountable? Are they helping you stay on the right track? Or are these people out doing worldly things and leading you astray? You always get the choice of what friends you have. You know, it's often said that you're the result of the five people that you hang around the most. So think about that this week. Think about how, what, who are the five people that you're hanging around with the most. Are they godly people? Are they influential people? Are they the people that you desire to be like? Or are they people that you really don't want to be like? Think about who you're hanging out with. And then the third thing we want to look at is how do people speak of you, especially when you're not around? What's the reputation that you have among the, the, your society, among the people that's closest to you? 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 24 says, Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. What, what Paul is writing to Timothy here is he's saying that your reputation will precede you. Your reputation goes out before you. It says some men's sins are open beforehand. That means everybody knows what you're doing. Everybody knows the sins that you're committing. In verse 25, it says, Likewise, also the good works of some are manifest beforehand. That also is about your reputation. Your reputation will precede you. So I want to ask the question, what is your reputation? The only way to know really what your reputation is, how do other people perceive you? What is their perception of you, especially when you're not around? What do they say about you? So the three main questions to ask, just to recap, is to how to know what kind of influence we're having, what kind of fruit do you bear, what kind of friends do you have, and how do others speak of you when you're not around?
So ask yourself those questions this week. As we go out and we're, we're called to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, ask yourself these questions. Am I being the salt of the world that God has called me to be? And if you truly will ask these questions, it will give you a pretty good light. Now, once we know that we actually are making that positive influence, now I want to know how to make the biggest impact we possibly can. How do we make our light so it shines even brighter? How can we go out and we can attract more people to follow after Christ? Remember, for the purpose is to glorify God. It's not for our glory. How can we shine our light brighter so that God will be even more glorified? Well, the main thing we need to look at is your consistency and the clarity. So the first thing we're going to look at is you must lead a consistent life. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, when we think about our Christian life, when we sometimes live as this living sacrifice, and then other times we go out and we're living in this world, we paint a really confused picture. If you're sometimes being the sacrifice, and then sometimes you're not being the sacrifice, are you ever really being the living sacrifice? It paints a really kind of confusing picture. If we aren't consistent, how can others depend upon us when they have a time of need? Once you think about people in your life, they have needs too. They have struggles. They have desires. They want to do good. What's going to encourage them to come to you for help when those times arise? They got to know you're consistent. They got to know that we follow after God no matter what. The second thing is Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. Philippians 1, 27, it says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and he's telling him that I don't care if I'm with you or if I'm not with you, you stand fast, you stay true to God. And once again, this goes back to our reputation. How do others speak of you when you're not around? Well, another way to look at that is how do you act when you don't think anybody's looking? You know, when I was younger and I, I was growing up, I would always look to guys in their early 20s and their early 30s. They were kind of just starting to get a family and they are starting to get a good job. And I would look to them as an example of that's what I want to be when I grow up. That's the kind of person that I want to follow. And that, I did that when I was a child. Well, now I'm in my early 30s. I have a young family. I've got a good job. There's other people looking at me the same way. And what we've got to realize is you're in the exact same position. There is always someone looking at you, meaning you are influencing other people that you have no idea that are watching. There's always someone watching. So when we lead a life of Christianity, it must be a consistent life that they can depend upon us, whether we think they're watching or not, because they are. The second thing we need to realize is we need to lead a life of clarity. People need to know why we're doing what we're doing. And the purpose of what we're doing is to glorify God and to lead ourselves and to others to Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, it says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, 
may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. You know, what we're talking about here is if we want to lead a life of clarity, and we're not tossed back and forth going one way or the other, but we're clear and we're steadfast on our purpose. In verse 15, it says, we may grow up into him in all things. We must continue to grow. If you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not growing as a Christian, you're falling away. We must continue to strive to do better all the time and grow up into Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, this is Paul writing here, and he says, Be ye followers of me, even as I am also of Christ. I want you to think about for a second. Do you have the confidence in your Christian life that you could walk up to others and say, You know what? If you want to be a good Christian, just do what I do. Do you have that same confidence as Paul had? That's a lot of confidence. But Paul knew what he was doing was to follow after Christ, to honor Him, and to glorify His good works. We, as Christians, are called to do the same. We should be able to have that same confidence in our Christian walk. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And you can have that confidence when you know you're following Christ consistently and with clarity. And in Psalms chapter 119, we're going to read verse 33 through 40. And this is talking with David here. Psalms chapter 119 and verse 33 says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline mine heart unto the testimonies, and not to covetousness. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy word unto thy servant, who is devoted to thy fear. Turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. You know, this is a really good psalm for us to read over and over and over. This would be one of those that you want to read every morning and probably meditate on for a little bit. And just look at what, what David is saying. He says, Give me thy statutes, and I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding, and I will keep your law. I'll observe it with my whole heart. Make me go in the path of thy commandments, for there I delight. Look at these things of what David's writing. And if you want to maximize your influence, this is the kind of person you need to be. Follow the example of David and stay true to God's commandments all the way till the end. Others are always going to look at what we say and what we do, not necessarily for our intentions. You know, I believe everybody always has the best of intentions, but people don't see your intentions. A lot of times we tend to judge ourselves on what we intend to do, and we judge others on what they actually do. Well, let's flip that. People are judging you on what you actually do, not just your intentions. So when we think about this, what David has, he says, give me thy statutes and I shall keep it. David's going to keep it. And he will actually do that and perform it. We're called as Christians to do that as well. So we can be that positive shining light to the world. So I want you to realize this morning that God does have a purpose for you in your life. Sometimes we may feel like we're wondering, we don't know what we want to do, we don't know where we should go. Well, God knows what He wants you to do, and God has that purpose for each and every one of us. In Ephesians chapter 2, and verse 10, it says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in Him. If you want to know your purpose as a Christian, here it is. Your purpose is that you were created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And your purpose is that God has given us good works and ordained them that we should walk in them. 
That is your purpose as a Christian. Follow after Christ who you're created after. Follow after him and do his good works. And in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12, it says, Have your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. You know, sometimes you're going to have your influence. You're going to do everything you can. And sometimes there's just people who are still going to speak evil of you. That's just part of it. And it really has nothing to do with you. What we got to realize is that a lot of times our good works will convict other people. And it convicts them in a way where they don't like it. And instead of following after the good works and doing what they know they need to do, they want to try to tear you down. Don't let what they say truly tear up your reputation. Because what it says is they speak against you as evildoers. They may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. You keep up those good works. You keep doing what you need to be doing. You stay consistent. You keep clarity in your life, and you keep going no matter who says anything evil against you. You steadfast that you're following after Christ. And we can rest assured that our influence that we have on the world will last long after we do. Hebrews 11, verse 4, it says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. We know the story of Cain and Abel, and what God is saying here is even though that he's dead, even though Abel is dead, his works still speak. Well, you and I are the same way. As Christians, it doesn't matter how long we have on this earth. What does matter is that we're using that time to the best of our ability, and we're showing the good works towards God and glorifying Him. And even when our time is over, the influence will continue on. You know, all of us have those people in our life that they're no longer with us, but they still influence they still influence us. We want to be like them. Those godly people that we look to them as an example, the good husbands, the good fathers, good mothers and wives, the people who are steadfast, even though they're not here with us anymore, they still influence us. Where your life is going to be the same way. So we need to have the influence of Joshua and Abel that we've discussed, one that leaves a legacy a positivity and good works even after we pass away. Now, here's the one thing that I want to end on, and the key thing that, that we can all remember. As the church, as the family in Christ, what kind of light can we shine when we all come together in unity? If we're all working together and shining these positive and godly works in our life individually, what does it look like when all of us are working together? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5-8, through 8, it says, "...for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power." And in the Holy Ghost, and in a much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were examples to all those that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, your faith to God is spread abroad, so that we need not speak anything. What Paul is writing here is he's writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he's saying, when you came together, your faith went out to these other congregations. Your faith and your reputation preceded you. They went out to Macedonia and Achaia. When you look at that, these are large regions and large amounts of Christianity that they would follow because of the example that the church at Thessalonica, they portrayed. Now us as a church and as the body of Christ, we can have the same effect when we come together. 
we can help influence those people to stay true to God and make sure that they're following after His Word and they're not forsaking Him for any reason. And by doing that, we can also be that positive light that draws other people in. There are many, many other people out here in Northwest Arkansas and all across the world that they truly want to do the right thing. They just may not know how. So when we lead that life of consistency, we lead that life of clarity, and we're constantly showing the good works that God has put forth in us, we'll attract them to God as we're called to do. So I want you to think about this as we go throughout the week, as we get to choose what type of influence we're going to have on those around us. We can be the ones that encourage and lead others to follow Christ, or we can be the ones that discourage people and that will lead people astray. The choice is yours. So think about that as we continue on. The lesson is yours this morning. We always want to make sure that we open it for a gospel call. If there's any here that you're ready to follow after Christ, you're ready for Him to be the ultimate example for you, and you would like to obey His will in baptism, we can help you out with that today. Or if there's any that maybe you feel like your example hasn't been where it should be. Maybe you feel like your influence hasn't really been leading other people to Christ and you know you need it to be. We're here for you as your brothers and sisters. We can pray with you. We can study with you. We can help get your influence back on track with you so that you're honoring God in all things. If there be one of either class this morning, you need the prayers of the church or you like to obey our Christ in baptism, then come have a seat on the front pew while we stand and sing the song that's been selected. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. To receive new sermons each week, subscribe on Google Play Music, iTunes, Spotify, and like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and God bless.